Welcome to the NZ Everyday Investor. Now, while KiwiSaver isn't complicated to operate, there's a few moving parts. So to get the most out of it, regular reviews ensure you arrive at retirement well resourced. Now in today's show, Rupert Carlin is going to walk us through how KiwiSaver works behind the scenes. Now Rupert is with Kura Wealth, a KiwiSaver fund manager. Now a fund manager makes investment decisions on behalf of members. That's you and me. Average balances have been increasing with KiwiSaver gradually over time. And so we're all trying to figure out how to optimize our returns. This is where the style of fund manager can actually make a big difference. So what do we mean when we talk about management style? Well, broadly speaking, there's two camps here. One is passive management and the other is active. Passive has a systematic and strategic approach that relies heavily on the assumption that markets are efficient so you won't have access to information that will give you an edge, especially in the long run. The best strategy, therefore, is to continually invest across a broad, diversified selection of assets such as cash, fixed interest, property, and shares. Now, active is a bit different. The assumption with active here are that markets are not indeed efficient, and therefore, you can make tactical investing decisions in an attempt to beat the returns the market would otherwise give you on its own. Now, is one style better than the other? Is one right and the other one wrong? Will one style work well in a rising market compared to another in a flat market? Is the market still inefficient in some areas, but they're just different areas than they were in the past? I don't know. So many questions. And we're going to answer some of them today, hopefully some of them really well. Now, on top of the usual, this is not financial advice disclaimer, I have two other extra bonus disclaimers to add today. Firstly, I don't want you to assume that one strategy, either passive or active, is better than the other with respect to KiwiSaver. What's right for you depends on how your other investments are set up. The main thing with this episode, though, with the whole podcast, really, is to keep an open mind. Whatever you think already, try to see the other side. Now, secondly, Kura Wealth is a partner of the NZ Everyday Investor. That means they contribute financially towards some of the costs incurred to bring the show to you. Okay, so with all those extra disclaimers out of the way, enjoy the show today. Welcome to the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast. In this podcast, I cover a wide range of topics ranging from passive investing, property investment, and even crypto, all designed to help everyday Kiwis build new wealth in the new world that we're heading into. I'm Darcy Angaro, your host and financial advisor. Hopefully the content presented here gets you thinking about tools available to build wealth and the ways that you can use them effectively. Please keep in mind that none of this is financial advice. Investments or strategies discussed may not be suitable for everyone, so be sure to do your own research before acting on anything discussed today. Further information on today's show can be found by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player. Here you're going to find some show notes which will contain all relevant links relating to today's topic. The NZ Everyday Investor Podcast is hosted on the podcast.nz network and is brought to you in partnership with Hatch, who lets you put your money to work in the U.S. share market. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show today. Now, Rupert Carline is my guest today. Thanks, Rupert. Hi, Darcy. Thank cool. you for having me. Now, for a bit of background, Rupert, you are founder at Kura KiwiSaver. And 
we've had you on the show a few times before, so if people have been listening for a while, they know the background a little bit, but just a quick snapshot. What is Kura KiwiSaver? What do you guys do? So Cora is a digital KiwiSaver specialist. We um, have taken the view that KiwiSaver is a market that isn't quite working. People need more help um, selecting KiwiSaver funds, more help in getting the right set of contributions, basically to avoid people having nasty surprises when they turn 65 and KiwiSaver isn't enough. So we were the first in the market to go and build a digital advice product, um, and we believe we've got the leading digital advice products in New Zealand, and it's all about setting the right set of tools to help people make better KiwiSaver decisions. KiwiSaver is all about making sure you're in the right type of fund. The wrong asset allocation and the wrong type of fund is going to cost the average Kiwi hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. That's really scary when you think 20% of people still sit in a default fund. That's the most important part. Yep. Understanding contribution rates. Mm-hmm. We did a survey. 75% of people expect to retire and have KiwiSaver as the majority of their KiwiSaver when they only contribute 3%. And what do we know? You need to be contributing kind of closer to 10%. And so our job as a KiwiSaver, or I believe, and I'm probably in the minority here, our job as a KiwiSaver provider is to help you, my clients, make better decisions and make sure at least they're going with their eyes wide open. Understand that they have chosen this fund. If they've chosen the fund we recommend, great. If they haven't, we're going to tell you why and what the, what's kind of not there. Okay. We're going to tell you up front what kind of your contribution rates are going to give you. Are you going to have enough to retire and maintain your lifestyle, or are you not? And look, we can't force people to make decisions, but I think the difference between what we do and others is we're at least trying to open people's eyes so that they can make informed decisions. Not just at the start, but on an ongoing manner. Exactly. And look, that's that's probably one of the biggest misnomers of KiwiSaver, that it's a set and forget product. Um, So for us, being a true advisor, it's all about checking in at least annually. We'll kind of make sure that you, we're not just going to forget about you once you signed up. There's an ongoing process to try and make sure you stay in the right type of fund and make sure you're continually aware of kind of where your KiwiSaver is going. Okay. Now, for those of us who are maybe not so familiar with how KiwiSaver works, I'm not necessarily investing in you. No. I'm investing in the, in the quality of the decisions that you might make, but where does that money actually go? Yeah, so I start right at the top because this is something not many people understand. So as the primary way of contributing to KiwiSaver is through your employer. So you'll have, you'll contribute 3% or 3, 4, 6, 8 or 10% of your wages and your employer will pay that directly to the IRD. Uh, the employer should, if they're a good employer, they will match that and pay an extra 3%. Um, and so that money goes from your employer to the IRD and then from the IID, they'll pay it into a trustee account mm-hmm. that Kura kind of uh, manages. This is also known as a supervisor, <coughs> correct? Supervisor. Mm-hmm. So we never we never have access to that money. We never touch that money. Um, but we then direct it. So fundamentally, if you've signed up to a Kura Kiwi Service Scheme, you'll be invested in one of our, or four or five or six of our six different funds. Um, and then... Once it's in that fund, we then direct that and invest in different components, right? So Kura, we have six funds, each individual sector funds to make up what we call a balanced portfolio. Our job as manager of those funds is to um, make decisions to ensure that we get the best possible return um, for each of those funds for our underlying investors. You raise a really good question of the risks and will this kind of am I ever going to lose my money out of this structure Mm. and the really short answer is no 
um, and I can be extremely categorical on that. Mm. There are two layers of protection, right? One is all of your money is paid into a trust account, which is held in the name of a supervisor. Super technical language, which basically means we can't touch the money. Um, we never see that money. And so therefore, it's completely not related to the fund manager. So, and then the second reason why you will never lose all of your money in KiwiSaver is KiwiSaver is set up as a long-term investment. And so therefore, we invest in the stock market, we invest in, which can be risky, but fundamentally, a good KiwiSaver manager, and to be fair, most KiwiSaver managers are good KiwiSaver managers, are investing in balanced portfolios. And that means that um, you've got investments across lots of different markets, lots of different companies, and so for your KiwiSaver fund to go to zero, the markets have got to go to zero. And trust me, if the stock markets go to zero, we've got much bigger problems than your KiwiSaver. We're running for the hills. We are, yeah. right? We've got uh, our bug out bag and we're just, we're hungry yeah, yeah, Well, we are. Yeah. It's kind of, we were Zombie apocalypse. Oh. It's what we always dream about. It's what I go? always dream about, right? It's what happens when the zombies come. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I just kind of run straight up to the, the lakes above Nelson and hide there for months. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's the thing, right? Like I think a lot of us, think oh when when there's this awakening that hey KiwiSaver is actually pretty cool oh it's actually invest in the share market oh I don't, I don't like shares I'm going to stay away because what happens if everything just yeah. crashes I'm going to lose all my money but it's, you're not going to lose it because it's long term investment which means you can't even cash it out if you wanted to exactly. it's stuck in there but also in the long term Companies don't go to zero. Some of them do. So some do, right? But, um, but if it's allocated properly. <coughs> but but I look at our different sets of funds, right? So our New Zealand equity funds. Our New Zealand equity fund is, um, New Zealand's a very small market, but we've still got 45 different investments in that fund. Um, and effectively, for that fund to go to zero, the entire New Zealand stock market would have to go to zero. Um, our US equities fund, that's got 700 individual investments in it. And there will be companies that go bust in there. Don't right. get me wrong right yeah. um, that's capitalism capitalism you expect um, a decent chunk of companies to go bust every year but you also expect a whole lot of companies to absolutely shoot the lights out every year as well and it's all about having the diversification to kind of go through that and yeah. so that's why the way we always invest and, and to be fair most KiwiSaver managers do this as well is saying hey look we've got an allocation to New Zealand within New Zealand we've got a diversified kind of portfolio there an allocation to the US, an allocation to the rest of the world markets, an allocation to emerging markets, an allocation into fixed interest. And so fundamentally what that means is if a company goes bust, I don't really care because I've got 3,000 companies sitting in my portfolio. If a region goes horrible, so like Japan, which went bad for 20 years um, and didn't recover, again, Japan for me is only worth 5-6% of my portfolio. So it's it's right. it's ugly. Eggs in different baskets. But it's always going to come back, right? And yeah. then my US portfolio is going to do really strong. So that's, yeah. that's the beauty about KiwiSaver, and that's the beauty about what we do, is the diversification and allows us to spread our risks, yeah. um, which means that you will never go to zero because you're not exposed to a single piece. It's not like um, my son with his shares his portfolio that thinks he's smashing the lights out because he's invested in GameStop and in New Zealand. And he thinks that that's all he needs to do. Yep. Those two will, could go to zero. Yeah, um, that's a very different type of investing to what we do in KiwiSaver. That's right, and that's that's a good sort of uh, conversation around diversification versus concentration. What I'd love to focus on would be this the passive yeah. style, right? So every investment 
strategy or style can be described in certain ways, but we basically have you know kind of like a spectrum of active management and passive management. Do you want to explain to me, to us, what the difference is between the two? Yeah, so passive investing is when you invest systematically. Um, so generally what that means is you will follow an index or you will follow um, some form of theory. And then active investing is where every single investment decision is made with a whole lot of thought. And by that what I mean is you're going to sit there and say, oh, in New Zealand's looking quite cheap today because um, something's happened and therefore I'm going to go buy. Or you might kind of go, oh, the US kind of drone power last night, he was talking about inflation expectations coming right down, therefore the US dollar weakened, so I'm going to go buy the US dollar. So it's all about extensive research to make decisions. Mm. Um, Hands on. Hands on. Getting your brain dirty. You know, yeah, you're thinking things through a little very, bit. Very, very much, right? So when you when we watch the movies, the the kind of all the Wall Street stuff, mm. that's all active management. That's all kind of people buy high, sell low. Mm. That that is what active is about. And the epitome of active is probably hedge funds, mm. who kind of completely misalign them or disalign themselves with the markets, um, and taking the view that they'll just take. Big heavy bets, contrarian bets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so passive. When I describe systematic, mm. we're going to go look. We're, we're going to invest in the New Zealand equities market, right? So we're going to choose a. We've got a portfolio that we've kind of. We choose the Morningstar index. We make some adjustments to adjust for risk, um, and then we invest according to that. So, if the market's up two percent tomorrow, we're going to buy. If the markets are down two percent. We're still going to buy. Um, And the theory behind passive investing is that over the medium term, investors very, very, very rarely outperform the market. Mm. So the evidence is pretty clear on this. Um, It's largely out of the US, but out of the US, I think uh, on average about 90% of funds underperform the market, so therefore they would have been best better off taking a market exposure. Wow. Yeah. The other bit that's really interesting about passive funds, about the reason why active funds and are getting worse is um, is that the research also shows a top performing fund, so if you've you've kind of managed to pick a fund that's done really, really well over the last two, three, four years, a fund that is top quartile performance over a five year period, less than fifteen percent of those funds will be top quartile again in the next five year period. Hmm. So what they've done is they've gone and they've taken an active strategy and they've implemented that and that's worked really well in a set of market conditions. But when the market turns, mm. it might not work so well. It's kind of like having a theory or a model to understand something. Completely. It works for a season, but it's really hard if you have a static model to have success with that. Uh, it's, right? a, it's a little bit like sitting there going, well, uh, so the big question I'd ask the investors that listening is saying, how would Jonah Lomu go if he was put into the kind of All Blacks today? The style and how he came in and he just completely changed the game because he was innovative about what he did and how he did things. Would that still be the same thing today? And investing isn't that different, right? People have strengths, they have skills, um, they have a way of doing things. And over a five or a 10 year period, the market can change a huge amount. Mm. Um, but you've still got the same person doing the same thing. So mm. NZ Super um, talk about this really well. They've yeah. taken the view because NZ Super are 100% passive uh, yeah. of their international portfolio. Okay, okay. Uh, their international equities portfolio. Yeah. And they've taken the view that, yeah, that there are active managers that outperform. But picking which one's going to outperform is just too hard. 
Yeah. Um, and they don't believe they've got the capability or skill set to pick which active managers are, are going to outperform, which is why they've taken the approach of internationally, they'll go passive. Right. Another really good example of the same thing. Back in 2007, there's a very famous bet made between Warren Buffett and a hedge fund manager. Yeah. Warren Buffett um, said to the hedge fund manager, look, pick 15 hedge funds, create yourself a basket. That gives you enough to manage your risk because you've got 15 rather than just one. Yeah. I'll put all my money in the Vanguard uh, S&P 500. Yeah. At the end of the 10-year period, whoever's got more money, well, kind of, it's a million-dollar bet either way. And, of course, I think by 2011, the hedge fund guys had given up Yeah. because the outperformance from the, just the pure S&P was so much. And so that's a really good example of... Hedge funds, right? The the titans of the finance kind of yeah. the financial markets, supposedly. Yeah. Like then they're taking the best of the best. But after four or five years, they'd kind of they'd already bummed out. Which is, it, which is which is awkward. <coughs> I because naturally I think that maybe this is pride. Maybe maybe it is, right? Yeah. Naturally I think, well, if I'm smart enough, if I have enough intuition, maybe I can pick the next one. Maybe I can, right? So so it feels hard to come to grips with the fact that hey, maybe that theory isn't actually supported by the data, so maybe I need to change my theory. Because oh, really what you're right? saying is that there's a lot of data to support that a passive strategy is actually better. So if that's true, I need to adjust my paradigm to that truth, right? And But you've also, this theory, and this theory has been around for a long time, and it's over the last kind of five to 10 years, it's got a lot stronger, right? Um, but one of the big things, one of the big shifts in finance land, so when you and I grew up, and kind of started our careers in the financial markets, it was easy to get information asymmetries. So we- And and what you mean by that is, it's not uniformly distributed, right? It's not uniform. Well, yeah, I need to be very careful what I say here because I'm not talking about insider trading. I'm kind of close to that. Um, Yeah. But it's kind of saying- Legal insider trading. (laughs) Yeah, but it's sitting there going, hey, look, if I back in, I mean, when I started, well, when I started kind of uh, around the financial markets, right, we didn't even have emails on our phones. Yeah. Um, Everything was done kind of, we'd only just started taking orders on the- um, our email yeah and so you talk to the CFO or CEO of a company and he'd kind of tell you a whole lot of stuff and you're like okay awesome then you're gonna go peddle that information to your clients and that's that's all fine that's how the financial markets work whereas now Everything's well, that, sped infa- up, right? that information is going to be on social media and that's going to be there within seconds. So the efficient market <coughs> hypothesis, which is kind of loosely what we're talking about exactly. here, all information is widely known and available and almost instantaneous. So the price of anything that you're investigating is already taken into consideration, all known information. Right? Exactly, right? Yeah. So information, the, the cost of information has become so low yeah. that it's now available to everyone. And I think that is one of the big reasons why active investing has got so much harder because you, you can't like you might have the smartest guys in the room but fundamentally now they're all crunching exactly the same sets of information Yeah. whereas 20 years ago yeah. they weren't crunching the same information the smartest guys in the room for the hedge funds were crunching a very different set of information yeah. um, to the standard mutual fund or the retail investor at home yeah interesting it's an interesting concept like, oh it's fascinating right? I, I think about this a lot right because again naturally I think well Surely there is still a role for intuition, gut feel, but you have to acknowledge the fact that things are changing. And there is, right? And look, and I think, and it's really interesting, right? There there will always be. So there are some reasons why I think active can be quite interesting, right? So we talk a lot to um, 
not so much in the KiwiSaver space, but in the non-KiwiSaver space, we talk to people about look, what's really good is to build yourself a, a core portfolio of passive funds. Mm. Um, and then you might choose a little bit of active funds or even yeah. individuals to sit beside it because, yeah, they might actually outperform. Flavoring. It's flavoring, right? But your core ideally is wise to be it's wise to be passive. You don't have to, but it's it makes sense, right? Yeah. Low cost, core, well diversified, passive approach, set and forget. It's gonna give you the market. That should be the majority. And we, we know that's probably gonna do well. It's just hard to get excited about that, right? Yeah, that core is really hard. It's hard, but yeah. I mean, that's the problem, right? With yeah. money, generally the slow, steady approach is what works that's right. the best. And the more you fiddle with it, the more trouble. Yeah, um, and that's kind of why I think there is. And so th- there is a bit of a balance there. Yeah. Um, personally, there's kind of there's also a conversation to be had about where you are active and where you are yeah. passive. So I want to talk talk more about that. Um, just just so I, I get this really clear in my mind, though. So I'm a Kiwi Saver member, yep. the money goes to the supervisor The supervisor after the IRD and, and the fund manager directs it and it, off it goes into various different yep. funds. And what the way it works with you guys is that those funds are passively managed, yep. well diversified. They are, the art is in the selection of what mix of those funds, depending yep. on who the individual is. There's effectively a, an overlay to, to help with the selection of what portion in those funds, right? And and you guys do it really well using digital advice tools. That's in a sense, that's like almost like an active overlay, isn't it? In a it, sense, right? It is in a sense. Um, I think there's also a deferred that we're, well, like everything in finance, nothing's clear cut. Yeah, um, that's right. A lot of murkiness. A lot of murkiness and how often you change it depending on how often you move between active and passive is kind of, I, I don't know the answer to that and that's why my view is we've all got our styles and we all do what we do and yeah. that's all that matters, right? But yeah. that's why you kind of go, even though you might have a passively managed fund, yeah. you've still got a portfolio manager that's going to be sitting there going, well, do I have the right degree of ESG? Or do we want a large cap only set of funds or do we want a total market set of funds? There are a huge number of decisions that need to be made and constantly reviewed, mm. but just because we're not making the decision, or hedging is another really big decision that we're constantly reviewing, right? What yeah. level of hedging, how much exposure do we want to the New Zealand market versus the US market? Yeah, so uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing though is passive doesn't mean you're just sitting around doing nothing. No. <laughs> that, that's, that's probably really important to point out, right? Because in some people's minds, they might just be thinking, well, I'm investing via this scheme and nobody's at the wheel, we're on autopilot and hopefully it'll work out well, but that's not the case. It's, yeah, a, it's not the case, right? Are, are we gonna Make, are we going to make changes if the market tanks? No. We, we will not respond to market changes because we take the view that the market is we need to be strategic and we take strategic asset allocation decisions, okay. which we expect to last 6, 12, 24 months or longer. Okay. Yeah. That means we're going to constantly review those yeah. versus tactical decisions, which are, hey, look, I'm scared about what's happening at the moment. Markets are overvalued. So... I'm going to kind of significantly reduce right. my holdings, okay. move to cash. Okay. That's what I call a tactical decision. Okay. We won't do that. Okay. We will make ongoing strategic decisions um, to make sure that the strategy that we're employing is the way to do to create the best value for our clients over the medium term. Yeah. And that's all based on the evidence and the academic evidence that we kind of spend our lives reviewing. Because what I believe and what we employ at Coda is KiwiSaver is a long-term investment. KiwiSaver is all setting yourself up for retirement. Yeah. And therefore, what we need to be as a portfolio manager and as a fund manager for our clients 
we believe asset allocation and getting the portfolio theory right yeah. is by far and away the, 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 the that's smartest way where we okay. can create the best value for our I clients. want you to, to break that down a little bit for me and listeners can check out the episode that we did about asset allocation. I'll put yeah. a link in the show notes. But you, you were telling me this before we started that the majority of the win or the yeah. majority of the benefit is in the asset, the asset allocation. allocation right? If you think about it, Managing a KiwiSaver fund, there are really three different layers of decisions that you need to make, right, or four. So you're going to sit there and the first decision you're going to make is you're going to go the split between growth and income assets. Okay. So by growth assets, that generally means equities, so shares, um, private equity investments, property kind of kind of there's kind of an income yeah. um, versus income assets and that's kind of cash fixed um, term deposits bonds and, and bonds yeah. all of that kind of stuff right so that's the first decision you're going to make and that's a really 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 important decision right because you're going to go um, the expected return on cash is 1% expected return on fixed income 2% the expected return on equities is 5 to 6% mm. but equities has got plus or minus 30 or 40% in a year, yeah. whereas cash has got zero well, it's nothing. Zero so, so the volatility goes up as you move along that spectrum. Yeah, yeah. so that's 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 why, that's going to drive, where you sit on that spectrum, going to drive the majority of your returns. So the asset allocation, and it's about figuring out how much risk you can afford to take, because if you take too much, even listening to this, you might just say, well, why don't I just put my whole money into equities? It's yeah. the growth assets. And the reason is not everyone can handle the volatility. So that's why for us it's about saying, so that's why the first and most important decision is always about what is the right split of assets for that person. And it's not taking the easy answer, which is just up their risk. Yeah. It's about figuring out how much risk can that person take. So decision number two is you're going to go a regional split. How much, how much money do I want in New Zealand? Yeah. Um, and how much money do I want in the US or different regions around the world? Because, yeah, we could go, but we live in New Zealand, we love New Zealand, um, it's done really well over the last 10, 15 years. But then you're going to go, well, but imagine if China turned off the taps. Yeah. Um, imagine if China says, we're not going to take your logs or your milk anymore, and the New Zealand economy just crashes. So it's about kind of going, or we might go overweight in another different market. So it's about, for us, it's about setting up the different asset allocation models to go to create what we think is a sensible, sustainable, long-term regional split to give us good long-term returns um, and good long-term diversification. Next part is currency. We've taken the view that a 70% hedging ratio is the right approach, okay. and we've taken that view because the co- there, are, there are costs involved in hedging. There always are. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of did all of the detailed analysis. That Can you quickly break that down? So 70% of the currency is hedged, which means what? <laughs> So the US equity markets might deliver a return of 20% in a year. Just for the simplicity of numbers, that means if I had invested and I was a US dollar investor, mm. I'd get a 20% return. Mm. If over that same period, the New Zealand dollar strengthens by 50%, yeah. that means 50% of that return is eaten away. If I'm a New Zealand dollar investor, 50% of the return is eaten away by that strengthening of the New Zealand dollar. Mm. So as a New Zealand dollar investor, I'm only going to get a 10% return. Mm. So when I say a 70% hedged, what that means is I'm going to get 70% of the return of the US dollars equivalent. Mm -hmm. So that means I'm going to take, uh, so we said 20%, so 70% of 20%. You should have picked easier numbers there. (laughs) uh, That's good, I can do these numbers. You can do this. 70% of 20%, so that's going to give me 14%, plus 30%, 
of my 10% of the one New Zealand dollar exposure. Um, so that's going to give me a combined return of 17%. Got not it. quite the full US dollar exposure yeah. because I've got a little bit of New Zealand dollar exposure in there, but I'm not kind of fully right. exposed to the New Zealand dollar. And this speaks to this strategic bit, doesn't that's it? That's a because strategic thinking, conversation, right? Yeah. And that's we that's a big piece that we review every six months yeah. and going, actually, how, how important do we think currency hedging is? Because... Unfortunately, New Zealand dollar is one of the more volatile currencies out there. Um, and what we know is that by putting, by not taking that, making that hedging decision, yeah. um, we're adding a whole lot of volatility into people's portfolios, which kind of will, which should not create any long-term value because yeah. the theory is that currency is neutral over the long run. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. And so if we're adding a whole lot of volatility for no more upside, that's just going to scare people, and that's, we don't see that as a great outcome Correct. for customers. Yeah. So that's why. So hedging and currency. That's decision number three, and then decision number four you make is individual stock selection. So we we take the view that, and research shows ninety ninety five percent of the return is delivered by those first three conversations. Yeah. And so therefore that last tiny bit of individual stock selection and tactical. Right. That's only a very very small. A very very small piece, right? Interesting. And, What's also interesting is where the fees lie in the industry. That, that's exactly what, what I was just going to go. Is like, <laughs> Hang on, because in my mind I'm thinking, well, it seems to be portrayed, whether it's explicit or not, it seems to be the message is um, pay us a higher fee because we're busy doing the thing that makes yeah. the biggest impact, which is individual stock selection. That's not necessarily the case. No, and that's the thing, right? Most people will take... So you go... So the fees for managing an individual, like, say, a New Zealand equity fund, right? Yeah, you've got your asset allocation is sorted, your currency is sorted, your regional diversification is sorted. Um, there's only one, the only decision you have to make is stock selection, right? Yeah. Um, yet that fund is often more expensive than a broader holistic growth fund, which needs to make all of those different decisions. So what, right. what we've taken the view is that actually by focusing our resources and attention on those things that really make a difference and those things that matter, mm. um, we can offer a, a significantly lower cost product to our customers. That's why our funds are 0.63% versus the market sitting at kind of the average growth fund at 1.2 to 1.3%. Yeah. Um, and we help people where it matters versus doing right. the sexy stuff, Yeah, but actually the sexy stuff probably doesn't add value and if anything is more likely to cost money. Is the whole burrito principle, isn't it? It's the eighty twenty thing, right? So you're you're trying to drive eighty percent of that benefit from the twenty percent, or the exactly. in this case, yeah. 90, and so we, we, our view is, look, uh, the upside of actively managing is is it's going to be is, limited. Is negligible. You're trying and to optimize and is, a very well, look, well, actually, the problem is even the theory shows and the evidence shows there is no upside to managing it actively. Yeah. And the sixty points or the zero point six percent. That it's going to cost you to do that, it's going to be an extra cost, right? So you're hit with often worse returns, not always, but often worse returns, plus a higher fee. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm biased, but that's well, of course, of course. But it's it's like again, you you can mix and match these strategies, right? And if you had a core satellite approach to, to looking at this, and your KiwiSaver was part of your core, yeah, of course you want that to be low cost, well diversified, and passive set and forget. And, and look, if you if you if you are someone that wants to be, there, there are benefits to being highly engaged in yeah. your in your financial um, decisions, yeah. and that's why. So if you're someone that goes, well, I'm going to be at really actively managing it yeah. at my own level, so I'm going to be going, I'm going to be reviewing my KiwiSaver fund manager every couple of years and going, do I think they're still good? Do I think I want to move them? Yeah. Um, do I think 
Do I understand how they've generated the solid returns over the last couple of years? Do I think that that's that's a strategy that's going to work in the next couple of years? If you're willing and able to do that kind of analysis, great. But that means you're kind of, you're actively managing your funds and your fund selection. And that's a very different approach to kind of trusting someone and kind of just saying, cool, we're just going to leave it alone because what we do know, a strategy that performs in one market will not perform in the next market. And there's obviously the, the mixing and matching approach as well, where you could have an active strategy using passive tools or yeah. passive strategy using active tools. <clears throat> so we've kind of already indirectly spoken to that, so we don't need to revisit that. But I guess it just goes to show that sometimes it's not either or, and sometimes it's not even both. Sometimes it's a it's Oh, a look, there, there's an of, often blend, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I go back to the New Zealand supermodel. So NZ Super, their approach is they take a, an active approach in New Zealand because there's a view that that New Zealand New Zealand is an inefficient market and therefore you don't have the information availability and the high degree of trading yeah. which you have overseas. Yeah, which kind of makes sense. I get makes that. Makes sense. So yeah. they manage New Zealand actively and then internationally they manage it passively. Yeah. They also have some private investments which are, are very much an active approach. Yeah. But then they have a, a relatively static asset allocation. So again, you'd argue that their their approach to asset allocation is also passive. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's a little bit of a picking and choosing which parts yeah. they think make sense given the different market dynamics. I'm sure if the New Zealand market, if we saw another 60 companies list in the next two years, um, NZX would all of a sudden be worth something. But more importantly, you'd start to see some increased efficiency in the market as well. um, And they might kind of change their views. But it's a really good example of someone that's kind of not being religious about the approach, um, just picking and choosing what works in different styles, different approaches. Okay, so... I think that pretty much wraps it up for this one, eh? Like, I think I think we've covered everything. Yeah. I, I don't think it's it's a case here of trying to convince people that passive is better or active is better. It's just understanding the differences, and especially in the context of KiwiSaver, understanding why it's important to actually actively think about this completely before just taking whatever someone has sold you or whatever you've signed up for by default. This this should be part of the consideration when you're reviewing, It should right? be part of the consideration, and yeah. it should be an important part of what you're looking at. And generally, the fees are an obvious giveaway on the structure, so um, not always. There are some passive providers in the market that are charging over 1%. Yeah. But then I think, again, as you're looking through, the one thing I would always suggest to someone when they're thinking about their KiwiSaver is... First and foremost, get your asset allocation right. Second thing you want to think about is the fees. And then the third thing, personally, I think sustainability is actually also needs to be in that mix. Okay, okay. Um, And what what are the ESG principles and is that something you like and it aligns with you? And then the fourth thing should be returns. And as you're thinking about the returns, that's when you kind of start to think about the active passive. But just be really careful. If you're choosing an actively managed fund just because they've outperformed and they've done really well over the last 12 months um, or 24 months, yeah, make sure you understand why. Yeah, there's Pre- reasons why. There, there, yeah. there are reasons why, right? If, if yeah. someone's delivered 30% when the market's are up only 10%. Correct. There will be a reason there why. There is a reason and, why they've done something and they've done some amazing work to deliver that. Yeah. Um, but there will be a flip side to that at yeah. some point. Okay. I want to talk to you more about ESG, so we'll save that for another episode. Yeah. But uh, for today, 
That's enough, Rupert. I've had enough, Rupert, for today. You've had oh. enough of me, I'm sure. <laughs> I enjoy this. We can keep yarning forever. I know. Well, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> and on that though, but on that, like, if for listeners who are who are listening, and we we've we've tried this out probably a couple of times by the time this comes to air. If people are on the Clubhouse platform and they want to tune in to the NZ Everyday Investor every Wednesday at 5.30. We're going to be trying this for a while. We'll just be having a conversation and we'll be picking apart a news topic of that week. Don't normally cover current events on this show, but that's going to be something that we're going to experiment for a bit. So if anyone wants an invite to Clubhouse, they can hit me up on Messenger. I've been dishing out these invites left, right, and center. Um, do that because I think that that's going to be another perspective that we can share. Um, yeah, and I think that's for people that are going to be wanting to do stuff, get more involved, and yep. particularly if you if you like the active approach. Um, there's a whole lot of really interesting stuff happening in the finance world at the moment, um, and that's stuff that yeah. Darcy and I always ring each other up and want to talk about, so we'll share yeah. it with you guys as well. Sounds like a plan. Cool, man. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks again. Thanks, Rupert. I always enjoy these chats, and I trust that you found this was a valuable episode in terms of understanding why one may consider passive investing with KiwiSaver. As mentioned in the start, active and passive have their place, but to a large degree, this depends on how you've constructed your investment portfolio elsewhere. The fund that you invest in via KiwiSaver can be managed in a passive style, but that doesn't mean that you as an investor need to have a 100% passive strategy. Perhaps you tactically respond to changing market conditions by changing the mix of your passive funds. On the other side, perhaps you passively invest through some active managers. You're being strategic in how you contract out the active management that you want. The main point here is that from an investor's perspective, from your perspective, you may be the active fund manager. Perhaps you work with an advisor to actively manage your overall portfolio or you do it on your own. If that's the case, do you really need to have an active fund manager as well? I don't know. It depends is possibly the best answer for me to give here. Now, personally, I'd like to think that I could research enough, get the right gut feel about things, and then make super smart tactical investments. That could just be pride talking though. Am I really smarter than the market consistently over time? I'm increasingly not so sure I'm any better or any worse than anyone else. So while I naturally side with that in the active management camp, I think with KiwiSaver especially, passive does make a lot of sense, especially when combined with smaller satellite investments with higher concentration risk. Okay, now that's it for me. Remember that uh, this Wednesday at 5.30, I'll be on Clubhouse. So that's this Wednesday at 5.30. If you follow the NZ Everyday Investor this week, you'll hear Rupert Knight chatting around some current events. That's 5.30 this Wednesday on Clubhouse. If you need an invite, hit me up on Messenger or on Twitter, at Ungaro Darcy. Thanks for listening in today, and I hope you have an awesome week. Thanks for listening in to the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast, a show that's about helping you, the everyday Kiwi, build wealth. To learn more about the show, please visit nzeverydayinvestor.com or visit your show notes on your podcast player. There, you can find out how to make contact, sign up to our newsletter, and check out previous episodes. We're on a mission to increase wealth for everyday Kiwis. If you'd like to support what we do, then there's a few things that you can do. Write a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. 
share episodes with your friends or support us financially on Patreon. Before we finish up, just another reminder that what was discussed today is for educational purposes only. Ideally, before acting on anything covered here, please contact your trusted financial advisor or do your own research. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll catch you next time around. 